Amen. Thank you very much, worship team. So good to, to be here to hear these songs, to participate in them as much as possible. Looking forward to the time when we can do it with all our heart, with all of our people. So we welcome those of you who have come here this morning and also those of you who are watching from home, live streaming, sitting there in your pajamas, eating pancakes with syrup. Looks good. High five. Oh, I'm sorry. You got syrup all over your screen. I didn't mean to do that. I wanted to also just thank uh, Gisla, who gave me the original idea for this message. And uh, I've had a lot of fun just thinking about these topics because there's a lot of practical application, especially in my life. And I hope that uh, God has spoken to you as well through this. We're in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Father, we thank you for just reminding us that we need you. You're our defense. You're our righteousness. And uh, we really feel, especially these days, that we need those things so much. We need someone to defend us. And we also need to defend others, f defend their rights. And uh, we pray that you would give us opportunity to do this week by week, that we could uh, act justly and love mercy with the people that we meet. And thank you again for your word this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So obviously we are having some difficult times down here on planet Earth. And it could be worse because things are not so hot on Mars either. But for us, it's not just because of the pandemic. Injustice is a huge problem. Immorality is multiplying out of control. We're experiencing severe shortages of mercy. And it's exactly as Jesus predicted when he said in the last days there would be some serious climate change. Listen to his words from Matthew 24, beginning at verse 9. You will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. And because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. As wickedness increases, the love of most will grow cold. So we are entering a new ice age. What do we do about that? Well, we have a number of options. We could get angry. We could complain. We could panic and give up hope. We could uh, withdraw and just bake some banana bread. But our instructions for living in dark and difficult days are spelled out in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, because that's what he was experiencing as well. And in that verse, he says, He has showed you, He showed you, O man, what, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Those are three aspects of a well-balanced 
healthy, spiritual lifestyle that will not only help us get the most out of this new year, but it will benefit others in significant ways. So far, we've looked at the first two, and this morning we'll consider the importance of walking humbly with God. And we'll just break it down into those three parts, walking humbly with God. First of all, walking. Amos chapter 3, verse 3, the prophet asks, Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? Do two walk together unless they have agreed? During this pandemic, you've probably done a lot of walking. And when you're walking, you often look for somebody you can walk with. A family member, a friend. And the thing about walking is you have to find somebody who agrees to walk with you. We're going in that direction. No, I want to go in this direction. Well, we'll see you. See, walking with God assumes we have the same destination, that there is an agreement. And that's exactly the problem because God's ways are not our ways. We have almost nothing in common. Because I want to find myself. I want to follow my dreams. Where is God going? There are all kinds of irreconcilable differences. And so to walk with God is only possible if one of two things happen. Either God has to change to become more like me, or I have to change to become more like him. So which is the better option? Well, I'll tell you honestly, there are definitely times I wish God was more like me. For example, things would definitely get done faster. Sometimes it seems that God's will proceeds at the pace of a glacier. I'm more like a flash flood. I like my spirituality fast and furious. Let's get this done. There are times when I wish God was a bit more like me. But then again, to be honest, when I search my heart, when I see my selfishness, my insecurities, my, my failures, when I remember my sins, I realize that's the worst possible option. I know myself well enough to admit it would be a bad idea for God to become more like me. So I need to become more like him. And if we can agree on that, then we can walk together. And as we do so, it is with humility. Walk humbly. That's what Jesus was talking about, humility, when he told his disciples in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Whoever wants to come after me must deny himself. Humble yourself, deny yourself. We're not ready to walk with God until we're truly willing to deny ourselves. So how does that sound? No problem, right? Are you kidding? Deny myself? That's counterintuitive. 
That's counter-evolutionary. That's counter-cultural. We are wired to indulge ourselves and promote ourselves and assert ourselves and demand our rights. Otherwise, you just get trampled. Deny myself? There goes my profit margin. That will never work. Not in this life. And that's true. It doesn't work in this life. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 3, I tell you the truth, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We can't deny ourselves in this life. But we can in the next life. When we become new creations through Christ, and the old is gone and the new has come. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And it's that that makes people hesitate to become Christians. It's hard. I mean, this is a radical change. It scares people. In fact, the city council of Calgary has even made conversion and change an illegal item in some cases. People are afraid of that kind of change. We don't want to change it. Moving to, a, moving to another city is hard enough. Some of you have lived in Calgary all your lives. Could you imagine moving somewhere else? What that would do? The upheaval that would create? Going to a new school, starting a new job can set off a panic attack. We, we don't like to change. That's why it's so hard to become a follower of Christ because you have to be willing to change. And not just moderately, not just maybe 60-70% because the old is gone. How much of it? You didn't get rid of my precious, did you? That's why it is so hard to walk with God because the last thing we want to do is to deny ourselves. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now why did he say cross? Why can't I just pick up my gift bag? You know, the one that's filled with every good and perfect gift. Why can't I just pick up my my ration of daily bread or maybe banana bread. Why did Jesus say cross? Because a cross has only one purpose. It's for decoration. It makes a good bumper sticker, a great t-shirt, right? No, a cross has only one purpose. Death. It's for execution. So if we want to walk with God, we have to deny ourselves, humble ourselves, and be willing to die to the life we have been living. Jesus, it says, humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. It's one thing to humble yourself. It's another thing to humble yourselves unto death. That takes it to the extreme. But that's what Jesus is talking about here. And the reason we have to do that, the reason we have to deny ourselves and actually die is so that we're not questioning every decision God makes. Are we there yet? Why are we going into that dark valley? 
Can we take a shortcut? You see, humility reduces the drama in our spiritual lives by over 90%. And death reduces the drama by 100%. Humility is a tremendous energy saver. We're not always arguing. It doesn't get so intense. We're not always so disappointed and frustrated. We just deny ourselves. Because we believe God knows better than we do. We believe we need to change to become more like him. And in our new life, humility becomes a habit. Because when you're dead, it's kind of easy to be humble, right? You got nothing to prove, you got nothing to promote, and you got nothing to lose. So the question is, why do I still have so much difficulty with pride. So I've denied myself, I've died to my old life, but I still have all this difficulty with pride. I'm walking with God, but I, I keep wishing he'd pick up the pace. We've got such a long way to go. Let's find another gear. And by the way, can we go over there? Because there are the, they got the latest music videos. Let's check those out. Sometimes I wish God was a bit more like me. Why do I still feel that way? That's not humility. Well, of course, Paul explains this in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, when he says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. Well, what, what's, the spirit, what's the sinful nature still doing? I thought I denied myself. I thought I died to all of that. How come the sinful nature is still a factor? Well, if we, if we look at our life like, a, let's say, a small business, where Jesus is the CEO and I'm the vice president, the sinful nature was, uh, was one of the managers one who caused a lot of trouble. And so I was very clear. You are not demoted. You are fired. And that's my final answer. The problem was that the sinful nature hasn't left the building. Even though it's not an employee, it has no benefits, my old sinful nature continues to act like a consultant. Even, there's no, even though there's no contract. It's still, even at times, it, it still shows up for some board meetings. My old flesh continues to offer me all kinds of advice. And because of our previous working relationship, some of it, some of it sounds interesting. And then pride starts listening in. And pretty soon you've got a gossip session around the coffee maker. And all of the old gang is there. There's lust and greed and cynicism and superiority and self-pity. It's like a family reunion. And we're all terribly impressed with each other. But wait a minute. What happened to God? I'm supposed to be walking with God. We had an agreement. And here I am wasting my time with these irredeemable reprobates. 
Okay, that's enough. The meeting is adjourned and the motion does not need a seconder. Call security and have that intruder escorted out of the building. I need to reconnect with my CEO. I need to repent and say, God, you're right and I'm wrong. Thank you for forgiving me through Jesus Christ. Thank you for not becoming like me. So where are we going today? You see, walking humbly with God involves a number of things. It involves giving God your undivided attention, which is not easy these days because there are so many distractions, like our cell phone. How many times do we have to consult the screen in any given day? We're always drawn to that screen. You know, there's texts and there's emails. And I just had a thought, I got to check it out. I was once walking with a guy and we were having a great talk. We're, we're really getting somewhere. But his phone rang. And so he had to answer it. And once he answered that call, right after that, he had to keep checking his screen and we could never get back to the good stuff. Totally lost momentum. There are so many distractions. And then you wonder, where did God go? I lost the signal. Well, the good news is that if I stray off the path of righteousness, God is waiting for me. He doesn't just keep going because if he did, I might not ever find him again. But he's waiting right where we were disconnected. For some people, it may have been 20 years, but he's still there waiting. And all you have to do is humble yourself and turn around. And there he is with his arms open, filled with mercy. And now you can resume your walk with God. I mean, is there anything in life better than a good walk? Edie, what do you think? That's the best, right? There's nothing better than a good walk. It's good exercise. And you've got great company and you have stimulating conversation. But just imagine walking with God. That's the third part. Walking with God. I mean, this takes everything to a whole new level. Exceeding abundantly above. I've spent a lot of time walking with God and cycling with God and just listening because that's the main thing when you're walking with God. Stop jabbering and start listening and you'll see the most amazing things because when you're walking with God, you notice the most incredible things. Wow, look at that. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are, they, are, you, not worth much more, are you not much more valuable than they are? And, and did you notice how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his splendor was not arrayed as one of these. When you walk with God, all of life is like a theology course. It's like a window into eternity. It's like what Jesus said in John 15, 15, when he said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. 
Instead, I've called you friends for everything I've learned from my Father, I've revealed to you. I tell you, when God starts revealing things to you, there's nothing more exciting in all the world. I experience that whenever I write a sermon. You know, I, I, I can't come up with half of these ideas. But when, when Jesus reveals them to me, oh my goodness, I really, that's amazing. I, I never would have saw, I would never have noticed that. I no longer call you servants. A servant is too busy to go for a walk because they've got all this duty to do. But a friend is someone who has time. And God wants to be that friend. God loves to walk. We know that because when the disciples denied themselves and picked up their crosses to follow Jesus, what did they do? They spent all of their time walking. And walking implies that you're not in a hurry. If you're walking, you're not late. You're not rushed. When you're walking, you're not in a hurry. And that means God is not in a hurry. If Jesus would have been uh, in a hurry, the disciples would have ridden, ridden into town on thundering white stallions while the locals scattered. But there was no rush. They walked. They walked into a village. And they were kind of inconspicuous. They were, they were looking for people to help. The outcasts, the oppressed, the neglected. Didn't really have much of an agenda. They let people in need kind of establish the agenda for them. How often do I do that? Because whenever I'm going somewhere, I have an agenda. So I don't even notice the people along the way. They just walked into a village looking for people to help, looking for ways to seek and save the lost. There was Matthew. There was Zacchaeus. There was Mary Magdalene. See, that's what happens when you walk with God. You begin to notice others. The overlooked, the neglected. Those who need justice. Those who could use a major dose of mercy. I can't notice them when I'm self-absorbed with my needs and my problems and my plans. When I'm demanding my rights, when I'm chasing my dreams, I only notice them when I'm humbling myself and I tune into heart, God's heart. Walking with God is not about me. It's not about me, my God, and I. It has a benefit to others, to those who need justice, to those who need mercy. So in these dark and difficult days, we are to walk humbly with God. Walking humbly is such a powerful experience because it even eliminates fear. We've had so much fear coming at us through this pandemic. But walking humbly with God eliminates fear. Because fear has to do with us. Fear is about us. What's going to happen to us? How is this going to affect us? That's not humility. That's self-absorption. Humility turns the focus away from us. Someone said humility is not putting yourself down or trying to think less of yourself. Because that's counterproductive. It's focused on self. Humility 
is simply not thinking about yourself at all. It's just setting yourself aside. You see, at best, walking with God makes you lose self-consciousness. You don't lose consciousness, not usually, unless you're charismatic and somebody puts their hand on your forehead and out you go. But walking with God, you don't lose consciousness, but you lose self-consciousness. You're not thinking about yourself. You're not worried, what are other people thinking about me? Instead, you're focused on pleasing God. Self-consciousness is replaced by God-consciousness. You're practicing the presence of God. And that's a lot more meaningful and interesting than promoting yourself and finding yourself and all of that other stuff. One of my favorite quotes is, no one goes to the Grand Canyon because they want to improve their self-esteem. Right? When I went to the Grand Canyon, I didn't sign one autograph. Not one person took a picture of me. Because the Grand Canyon is not about me. It's about something much bigger than that. And when I go to the Grand Canyon, I am definitely not taking a selfie. Because I do not want to be in the picture. That would just almost be sacrilegious. It was really funny. We had some friends who went on a European tour, young teenagers. And they came back and they wanted to show us their pictures. And so they had this album and they opened it. And there were these three smiling faces with some buildings in the background. And they went to the next page. And there were the same three smiling faces with some other buildings in the background. And page after page after page, it was selfie after selfie after selfie. I thought, what in the world is this? I don't want to see your smiling faces. One picture is enough. You know, I want to see Big Ben and the Eiffel Tower and St. Peter's. Is, is, that, is that the Eiffel Tower in the back there? I can barely see it. If you could just get out of the way. I, I don't think it's right to take a selfie at the Grand Canyon. Get out of the way. Let people see something greater than you. So at its best, the Grand Canyon helps you lose self-consciousness. It doesn't increase your self-esteem. What it does is it increases your God-esteem. That's when you know that you're walking humbly with God because you decrease and He increases. Humility is not trying to think less of yourself. It's not thinking about yourself at all. No selfies. And this is actually something I've learned in photography. Whether it's wildlife or landscape or street photography, I realize I am the least important person in that setting. I don't even want to be noticed. I wish I was invisible. Because if those deer notice me, they might get spooked and run away. So I have to be as inconspicuous as possible. I don't want to draw attention to myself. I abase, so I basically assume I'm invisible. In fact, I experienced this. I was once sitting in a tree stand. And some deer came and started grazing right around the tree. And I could take pictures of them. And every once in a while, they would look up at the tree and they would look right at me. And they would think there's something 
odd about that tree, but they couldn't quite figure it out. So I was virtually invisible to them. They didn't notice I was up there. And that's when I discovered my superpower. I can be invisible. That's amazing. And that's a transferable habit for my walk with God. I am not the center of attention. I'm not there to sign autographs. I want to be as inconspicuous as possible and direct the attention to God. That's what Paul was talking about. In Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I'm out of the picture, but Christ lives in me. What you see is not me, it's Jesus in me. So walking humbly with God gives us the opportunity to lose self-consciousness and to develop the spiritual superpower of invisibility so that others can see the presence of God in high dynamic range through us. And when we do this correctly, they will see a God who acts justly and who loves mercy. They will see a God who humbled himself to, shocking enough, become more like us and accept a death, even death, on a cross. So let me remind you, what does the Lord require? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. And I'll tell you, life does not get any better than that. What an invitation, what an opportunity, even during dark and difficult days. Father, we thank you so much that uh, you have given us this tremendous opportunity of walking with you. It is amazing that you would want to walk with us that you would seek out our company, that you would enjoy our presence, and that you would be willing to wait while we've run off and gotten distracted by something in the world. You love us so much, you're willing to wait till we finally come back. And in some cases, it may be 10, 20 years, but you're still waiting. You want to walk with us all the way from here to eternity. Lord, this week, we just uh, want to take advantage of this tremendous opportunity to walk with our God, to follow you wherever you're going. So we're willing to deny ourselves and to pick up our cross. We do this for the sake of Jesus Christ who invited us to follow. And in his name we pray. Amen.